This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. This is E-Factor Radio, created by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. And now here's your host, David Wolf. Our guest on this segment is a multifaceted talent. Jeff Zabar is a newspaper and online columnist, blogger, chronicler of topics vital to entrepreneurs, teleworkers, and home officers. He's a small business expert, speaker, television guest, a columnist, and contributing editor to Home Office Computing, Entrepreneur.com, Writer's Digest, and Jeff is also the author of four books. Joining us on the line from his home office, capital H, home office in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, to share his insights on how companies and organizations can create an effective teleworking and alternative office program is Jeff Zabar, a.k.a. the Chief Home Officer. Jeff, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, David. Great to be with you. How did you initially get interested in the world, this universe of home office, teleworking and the like? What's the connection for you to all of this? Well, the, the connection for me as far as getting involved in telework and home officing, really more on the home officing side because I'm an entrepreneur, uh, not to be confused with a teleworker who's an employee of a company who's allowed to work from home or another remote location other than the office. But it started for me back in 1989, uh, newly married, not a lot of debt, no kids, just rent, no, no mortgage and the like. Um, I was working at a day job as a journalist and said, you know, I think I can do this better myself. So I uh, sat down with my wife, who was a nurse and remains a nurse, um, and, and said, let's make this leap. And, and as an entrepreneur, um, I'm, I'm a big believer in the fact that if you're married, if you have a spouse, if you have a, a partner or somebody who you live with, you got to engage them in these conversations. So I sat down with Robbie, my wife, and said, I think I can do this better myself. And she came from an entrepreneurial background of her, her family. They, they were business owners. And she said, let's do it. And so I started working from home in 89. Uh, by about 93, 94, there was a trend afoot where people, more people like me, really white-collar workers who were looking to do things themselves were starting to work from home, and telework had not taken off um, in the formal sense of corporate employees working from home because, again, we had 2,400 baud modems. We didn't have, you know, the broadband internet and we had faxes and things like that, but it was all much slower than it is today. And just over time, it started to grow, and I started as a newspaper columnist. I was seeing some of these trends unfolding, and so I went to one of my editors and said, you know what, there's a trend here of people working from home. And I said, I, I suggest, and may I recommend, we do a, a, a monthly column. And this was for a major Metro Daily down here in South Florida. I said, let's do a monthly feature 
uh, on the topic of home officing, and I gave them a list of like 25, 26 ideas. It was actually I was I was pitching a, a, a biweekly and every other weekly column, and they said, "Nah, you know, let's let's see what we can go with. Let's go with monthly." But I gave them twenty six ideas, and before the first ten ideas on that list had been exhausted, we had already done like five or eight that weren't on the list. So it shows how dynamic the market was. So. And then from there, I started writing content, taking those articles and turning them into books, and I started lining up with companies like Office Depot and with Sony and helping them uh, better understand this market. And it just it blossomed and grew to the point that you know now today we have about uh, about tw- 18 to 20 million home-based entrepreneurs. The recession is a great builder of home-based businesses because as people get laid off, they go home and say, maybe I can do something on my own, turn this craft into a business turn this hobby into a business and with eBay and Craigslist and different services out there, you can do that um, to the point that now we have about 25 million teleworkers, corporate employees who work from home because of the advent of broadband and laptops and really anywhere computing, um, as well as those those entrepreneurs who work from home. Such a, it, it, it used to be one of those things that, wow, you work from home? Now it's, hey, I work from home too. You know, let's go out to Starbucks and get a coffee. You know, so it's, it's been a lot of fun to see this whole thing evolve. Absolutely. This shift you're describing, the drivers of it are pretty self-evident. Anything that would surprise us about what's driving these trends as you saw them unfold? Well, I think, no, I think that, as you just said, um, the, the drivers of this truly are self-evident in that, you know, you have Internet, broadband Internet. You have untethered Internet, so people can use their cell phones as, as tethering devices in order to get the Internet anywhere. We have broadband Internet cards that, that just plug into your laptop from Verizon or from AT&T or from Sprint or any of these guys out there so that you can log on to the Internet from any location. Um, so the untethering feeds the, the ability to work beyond the corporate workplace or even beyond the home office. So I take a trip almost every summer. This summer it's going to be much more truncated, but it's a, a concept I call home office highway. So homeofficehighway.com where we hop in an RV and show how you can work from any location anywhere in the world as long as if you're an information peddler like myself, a white collar worker who works with data, as long as you have internet and a laptop, you know, you're good to go. So yeah. I, I think that's really been the driver. The, the technology is as far as laptops and powerful computers and low-cost computers have been drivers, the understanding of those around you, whether it's an employer or whether it's your peers or whether it's clients that, hey, I'm, I'm working from home. I'm working from a home office, not just sitting here, you know, biding my time and goofing off. That understanding has been pretty important. And then finally, I would say the this sort of universal concept that's emerged of work-life balance, where people realize, as you know, the saying goes, that you don't see a hearse with luggage racks. It's like no one, no one on their deathbed says, "Man, I wish I spent more time in the office." You know, so as as, <laughs> yeah. as you're sitting. Yeah. Looking at you know punching a clock on a Monday morning or you know shower and shaving and getting dressed for success on Monday morning to go commute to an office, um, a lot of people are saying you know what maybe that commute doesn't have to exist. Maybe I can get in my get into my uh, my home office and work here while still being a W two or still being employed by somebody or while being a ten ninety nine or and say that I can do this better myself. So as you said, whether it's the technology or whether it's the lifestyle or the mindset or the acceptance by those around us, there have been a number of things that really converge to help people better understand why home officing can work. You draw a distinction, of course, between the entrepreneur, the solopreneur working at home, as well as the teleworker. Let's go to the teleworker side for just a moment. As you talk to organizations, companies that are sort of evolving their uh, human 
human capital, their workforce? What do they misunderstand about how to set up uh, an organization with employees that uh, work from home? Well, there's a number of issues that come to play as far as the misunderstandings. Um, I think first and foremost, managers got to get over it. And I think we've, we've found a lot of, of, of migration toward a better understanding of, of what home officing and telework means. But historically, senior managers and especially managers mid-level who, who their job has always been to look out over their fiefdom and see, you know, 10, 20, 30, 100 heads out in front and say, that's my, those are my people. They are working. Certainly, I'm, I'm, I'm jesting to a certain extent and, and, and making light, but yeah. the, the reality remains that they were hired to manage people that they could see, um, hired to man- manage whether it's a cubicle farm, whether it's even people in this office and then in the office in Boise and in the office in Sheboygan. You know, so right. whether they are managing people on site or remotely, they've been meant to manage people. Now, pull those people out of that office and put them in a remote location, how do I know David's actually working? I don't see him. You know, how, how do I know he's actually doing something? So the, the reluctance by managers to come to, to understand that has historically been the problem. But now as we've gotten a better understanding through lots of books that have been written, you know, I've written several books on the topic as well, lots and lots and lots of blogs out there that have really not only shown the value of, of work-life balance and the value of a happy employee, you know, a happy employee is a productive employee, is a loyal employee, and happy and productive also can mean, you know, they can be working from a remote location, whether it's the home, whether it's on the road, whatever the case may be. But organizations are also understanding that they can put processes in place to help them better understand um, how to set up a, a working telework uh, uh, application or institution in their in their office. So, it, I I think what makes telework work from the beginning is, in as much as I tell people when I'm talking to to budding entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs, you don't serve notice on Friday to your employer and hang your shingle on Monday. Okay, you got to take time to work your way into entrepreneurship. Um, the same thing is true for the telework experiment. And, uh, and I always I call it an experiment because it really should start as a pilot. So the organization should spend three to six months planning how telework is going to work. You don't just jump in on Monday morning and say, okay, well, you know, quarter of our workforce, go home and work today. You know, you have to make sure that people have the 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 equipment to do it. They have the mindset to do it. Everyone is on board uh, with how this is going to unfold and how it's going to work. Um, and then you, you measure it. You see how productive people were. You see if there was any, any pushback against it. Were managers totally against this? Did they come to understand it? Were there things that remote employees weren't doing? They weren't checking in. They were logging on, but they weren't maybe sending an email or an IM out saying, okay, I'm at my desk, or they, you don't have a system set up where when David logs on in the morning, everyone can see that he's on the network, he's working, um, or if they call at 11 o'clock and they get no answer, okay, where is he? What's, what's up with that? So you measure it. You come to know where people are um, through the course of the day. And if David has to go out um, you know, in the afternoon, look, I've got to head out this afternoon to do something. I'm going to take one hour off. That's, you know, depending on the way the, the, the model is set up for the organization, that's okay. But I think that one thing teleworkers have to understand 
and managers need to impress this upon them. And and in our, in our changing society, as the nuclear family is 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 changing in its appeal and its appearance, um, a lot of people are providing elder care, senior care for their for their older parents, as we have as what we call the sandwich generation of boomers who are getting older, but their parents are getting older, so they may be having their parents move in with them so they can take care of them, or they have you know young children as I still have relatively young children in grade school, one in college, but, you know, raised kids in this setting, it's important that the teleworker realize that home officing and telework are not daycare or senior care alternatives. So it's not that you're teleworking so that I don't have to pay $300 a month for daycare. Uh, you're teleworking so that you can work from home and maybe be there for little Susie's after-school play or, or parent-teacher conference or lunch or whatever, and you're going to make up the time elsewhere because you're not doing this so you can get off the clock. But the employer needs to know that, look, there's no chaos in the background that's going to keep my my people from being productive. If that's the case, we're going to reel it back. Yeah, yeah. No, you point to something very, uh, and it's on my map for this conversation. There's a cliche that some people are very well-wired to work at home in in an environment where they also live. When is it not a good idea to set up an office at home? Uh, there's a there's a number of ways that home officing doesn't work, um, and one of the premises for the telework environment um, or the telework application, if a company wants to pursue it, the experts will tell you telework has to be voluntary. You can't tell David go home to work. Okay, we don't want you. We don't want you in the office. You're going home to work <laughs> yes. because right. I begrudge nobody who does, as we said earlier, they shower, shave, and dress for success on Monday morning to commute off to the office. I know a lot of people who dig the corporate experience and dig yeah. working from that hive of activity, and, and that's fine. I mean, it's not for me, it's not for many millions of people, but that there's many millions more who do it. And, and certainly, of course, we're talking white collar here, not generally not blue collar, although there's a lot of jobs that widgets can be assembled in a, in a garage and, and shipped back out, um, although beware of biz ops that, <laughs> where you're assembling things and paying money to do so, but that's a different story. Um, telework and, and home officing doesn't work in a number of situations. It can be that you do have too much chaos in the home office. You have young children um, at home that really would distract and, and detract you from, from staying focused on the task at hand. Uh, you might not have the space to work from home, uh, where if you're in a, a flat, my sister used to live in a flat in, uh, in New York City in the Upper West Side, there really wasn't a lot of room there to have a home office. Now, it's not to say you need a, a 3,000 square foot home in order to have a home office. I mean, my first home office was in a, a second bedroom of a like a 1,000 foot rented condo that my wife and I had. So, you, you know, you, you want to try at, at all odds and at, against, you know, against all odds if you can, but, you know, to make it work as best it can, but if it's if you're going to get the resistance of, of space and it's not going to work, or you know along those lines, then you say, okay, maybe this doesn't work. Your mindset. We spoke of this a second ago. You might not be wired for working from home, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, you may you may live in a city that still bans home officing, and there are those out there that say you cannot work run either a home based business or any sort of enterprise from from a residence. Um, so that's something to keep in mind also. Now, if, if you uh, also, if your employer uh, wants you to, doesn't want you to work from home, we get back to the concept of it being voluntary. If the employer has pushed back and says, we don't really support telework, um, employers who are listening to this might want to take note that one of the phrases that has come up is sort of the concept of employer of choice. 
And while unemployment remains relatively high, the best employees will always find a job. And if they're looking for a job with workplace and work-life balance and workplace flexibility, um, your, your competition down the street may offer that. And if you don't, uh, you might lose some of those prime candidates for employment because you've said, no, we don't offer telework here. So, but you know what, there's a lot of things that come to mind. I mean, tele- home officing is not about opening up your laptop on the kitchen table. I've written articles about the most common home office is often the worst, and that's whether it's the dining room table, the kitchen table with a hard chair, and the phone hangs on the wall, and it's the nerve center of the, of the, of the home, especially if there's family around. Uh, you know, you don't need a, I, I say that the power tool of the home office is a door that closes. Closes. You, you know, so it's a, a, a erstwhile bedroom that you've converted into a home office. So you can close the door while you're working. You can close the door nights and weekends so you don't sort of amble back in. But it really gets to the point of having the technology, having the furnishings, having the space that works best for setting up a home office so you can create that environment that is that is sort of encourages work as opposed to going to the kitchen table, which is no place to work. Aside from distractions, there's always food. There's always something going on. There's always something to take you away from the work at hand. Oh, yeah, the kitchen is the center. I wanted to ask you about the economics. Is there an appreciation on the part of uh, business owners, the employer in the case of teleworkers, for the economics, the, the, the digital economics? You're moving ones and zeros all day, information with a worker, rather than them having to get in a car and drive somewhere. Often that part, the, the, the cost of the commute generally falls to the employee. So um, there, there are a lot of economics that come to play uh, as far as that are beneficial to the employer. So the employer, if they can send, there's a concept called hoteling. Hoteling is when an employer, let's say an employer has 100 people. An employer has 50 cubes, and we're just going to say cubes or office spaces or whatever. So on any given day, whether they're out on sales calls, whether they're traveling for business, whether they're working from home, half of those people do not show up. Okay, they're, they're not in the office. But when they do show up, the other half, and it might not be you know, a set half every day. It could be you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Jeff's going to be in. Uh, so those days, David might be working from the road, but... On any given day, 50% of the workforce is in office, and so their belongings are kept in a wheeled cart, and they go and they get that cart, or they might share an office space. But the point being that ostensibly the company has been able to reduce its footprint by about 50% because on any given day, 50% of the employees won't be there. That's a very sort of rough estimate as far as how the numbers work out, yeah. but the concept yeah. remains sound. Yeah. Um, so employees are able to reduce their, their footprint. They're able to reduce some of the costs related to you know, consumptive resources, whether it's electricity, whether it's rent, whether it's you know, any of those things, utilities and the like, that, that support the organization when it's there. Um, employers generally don't pay for telework uh, situations that, you know, the employee, as, without getting too deeply into the taxes of it, if you run a bona fide home-based business, a percentage of your taxes and insurance, your mortgage insurance, excuse me, back up, a percentage of your mortgage and your interest are deductible based on the, the percentage of that office is to the, to the larger home. But if you work from home as a teleworker, you're generally not allowed to take that deduction unless the telework ex- uh, experience or the telework situation is at the pleasure of the employer. So the employer says, we don't have space for you, David, in this office. 
So if you want to stay employed with us, you must work from home. Then, because it's the employer saying we need you to work from home, you can then take that deduction. So that's, and I would I would advise anybody before they make any decisions. Obviously, I I am neither a, a, a tax planner or nor did I stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So you might want to go out and try and find that you know talk to a tax advisor along those lines or do some research. But the point remains that there are tax there are benefits that an employer can get from having people work um, remotely, and not the least of which is what we alluded to earlier, is the productivity that tends to grow from satisfied employees. Mm-hmm. The happier they are, the more productive they tend to be. And I usually say that sort of in a whispered tone to managers out there. So if you let, if you let David work from home, he might even do more work. You know, you might see him logging on at 8 a.m. instead of 9.30. You might see him logging yeah. off later in the night. Now, you don't want to be a slave driver but as, a, as an employer, as a manager, but realize what people will do. Okay, so David may take a little bit more time off during the day, realizing he's a responsible employee. He's not going, looking to, to shirk responsibility and to, to go out on a sunny day and, and, and tan and, okay, I just carved two hours off my work day. He's going to get his work done. It just might not be at the set time as long as he's not blowing meetings, as long as he's got his calls forwarded to his cell phone so he can respond to people if they try and get in touch with him. But there are things that come up that working from home enable us to do that being in the corporate environment we often cannot do. Well, I love that. No shortage of great information from Jeff Zabar. By the way, Jeff, I want to bring you back for another segment, another section on uh, on the, the uh, solopreneur, the non-employee uh, entrepreneur that works at home. Let's do that in a separate segment. Absolutely. We, website for Jeff. A couple of them to mention, www.chiefhomeofficer.com or, and we love this, my daddy works in his underwear. Dot com. Should I ask? <laughs> Should you ask? No, we we are relatively dressed today. It's it's summer in South Florida, so it's uh, <laughs> we, we have shorts and a tank top going on right now. Um, I, I still would not espouse doing this interview over Skype or webcam, but right. uh, but you know it's uh, it, it, a quick story, if I may. The, uh, my my daughter, uh, who just enrolled in college, was a was a five year old in preschool, and Miss Sheila, the preschool teacher, asked all the students, "What do your parents do for a living?" So doctors, lawyers, real estate agents, sure. work in an office, whatever. Right. Nicole holds her hand up. My mommy is a nurse, and my daddy works in his underwear. And cracked up. The, the adults had a good time with it. It was a lot of fun. People were, like, raising eyebrows. What the heck does this guy do? Um, well, and, and you, it becomes part of your brand, Jeff, I guess, absolutely. in some the unintended consequences of uh, being a home office consultant, a teleworker consultant, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and, and that's one thing is that in, in what we do and what I do, I, I shy from nothing, and warts and all, um, skivvies and all, you know, I let people know what's going on here. He's the Chief Home Officer, Jeff Zabar. We'll do it again, www.chiefhomeofficer.com. Jeff, thanks for joining us on the program. It's great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to eFactor Radio. Get more podcasts with your premium membership at eFactor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.